We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? Meaty day, baby. Yes. Training camp is here. The Nets are digging in. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also give us a follow on Instagram at the Brooklyn Buzz pod. But Jack, where do we start? Nick, is Ben Simmons back? <laughs> he had a lot of hype at media day from his teammates, his coach, you know, talking about the explosion, the explosiveness, you know, him looking good and the hype train continues, you know, obviously you and I have been a little wary to jump back on, but it definitely helps when you hear from teammates and obviously they're going to say nice things about their fellow, you know, teammate, but at the same time, it's definitely a little bit more positive reinforcement when you're hearing it from, you know, multiple angles and multiple people. Yeah. You know, Spence is sort of saying this is the team will go as far as Ben and Mikhail take us. Yeah. He's as explosive as he's ever been. Mikhail saying he's looking different. Jacques Vaughn talking about this. sort of, And we spoke about on our Ben Simmons series. Again, check those out, guys, heading into the regular season. Some evergreen content there. What is the mind-body connection, you know? And, yeah. and where is he at mentally? Where is he at physically? We're getting a lot of the physical stuff. We're hearing the the mental stuff from Ben saying, I'm back and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm going to be dominant. I'm going to be an all-star, all that sort of stuff. We're going to be scary hours on on defense. It's all well and good, but you know, the guy does a dunk in practice that we saw today, I believe so, during yeah. uh, pre-training camp. And everyone goes crazy and he's explosive as he's ever been. I'm like, that's as explosive as he's ever been. Then, like... I think we need to, it's all right to get on the train, but maybe let's not, let's not buy first class tickets just yet. Yeah. It's something to kind of keep an eye on. It's like, you know, not to over analyze a, a training camp video, but it's not like he was, you know, touching the top of the backboard or anything like that. It was a pretty basic alley-oop and something you see from, you know, 90% of NBA players. And, you know, hopefully he continues to get healthier and feel more confident in his body and, even if he's maybe not quite as explosive, you know, getting up in the air and playing above the rim, hopefully he can still play with a level of force and physicality. And I think that'll be a very important aspect of his game. Yeah. Cam Thomas, the the quote from him sort of saying about his explosiveness and transition, he, you know, he said, this looks more explosive as far as getting the ball in transition. That's the main thing I've seen that's different from him. He's in transition. He's explosive. Last year, he was a little timid. So I'm still, you know, questionable about his, vertical pop and what he's yep. lost because of the 
the back injuries, but I still think he can be an incredible, you know, north-south sort of athlete as well. Yeah, I mean, Ben in Philadelphia, when he was at his peak, he was a bucket every time in transition, or he was getting to the free throw line or setting somebody else for an open three or something like that. So if he can unlock that part of his game again and really excel there, especially considering the defense and, you know, the turnovers and Nets are hopefully able to force this season, that should be pretty impactful. It's just a matter of, you know, how high can he get in terms of, you know, the level we saw him play in Philadelphia to where he's at now to a physical level. And, you know, is there give or give and take, you know, is maybe he's has less vertical pop, but he's a little physically stronger and he has a better mental understanding of the game, just, you know, sitting on the bench for so long. So, you know, there's other aspects where maybe he can improve if he does learn, lose some of that vertical pop. Yeah. And when your coach is saying, you know, it's the most explosive I've seen since I've been around him, you know, obviously I think this not is not saying much. <laughs> No, it's not saying much, obviously, because you know what what's your baseline of of comparison is pretty bloody low. Yep. But it's also, I think, whether this is like Sean Marks going to all the guys on the roster and Jarfon saying, "Hey, let's hype Ben. This is what he needs to be in the best sort of headspace to to affect him, you know, in the in the capacity for him to contribute at, at a most positive level. Let's nurture him. Let's give him that support." then cool. And if it leads to positive results, I'm all for it. I'll jump on the train. I'll buy that first class ticket. You know, he, he's a guy that I want to be good, not just for the Brooklyn Nets, but hopefully in future durations of FIBA basketball, where the, the, the Aussies will be going up against international play at the Olympics. If Ben is playing well this season, that means it affects all Aussies in terms of their interest for basketball as well. So I'm hoping for many, many reasons, the Brooklyn Nets and beyond. So We'll see if all of this is put together on the court. But yeah, I think we've spoken about, you know, things to look for in preseason and, and at training camps. I think Ben Simmons and his play, that first preseason game against the Lakers in only a couple of days' time. Yeah. I think you and I are going to be watching every single moment uh, of his out there because it's going to be probably <laughs> probably too close. It'll probably be, you know, he, he makes a turnover, he passes the ball to someone, he, he, he misses a floater, he takes a three. We're going to be. The takes are going to be there and they're going to be there on October 10 and they'll probably be there on April 10 as well. But it's just the nature of Ben Simmons. And look, I'm I'm hoping um, my optimism is somewhat tempered, similar to yours, but I'm also happy to jump on the bandwagon as soon as everyone else does. If he proves it, I'll be leading the Ben Simmons hype train as well. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely positive that we've heard all these things. Don't get me wrong. And obviously, you know, we're hoping it kind of continues and trends in the right direction. It's just a matter of, physically seeing it with our own eyes on an NBA court, even in preseason, I think would be pretty significant stuff. Yeah. And ultimately, are there any other sort of thoughts, Nick, before we move on to some other stuff from media day? It wasn't the biggest media day in terms of takeaways and stuff. You know, obviously there's been plenty of eventful ones in our time as Brooklyn Nets podcasters, but a little bit more tempered, but there's still plenty of stuff to discuss. Any final Ben thoughts? Yeah, nothing really. You know, obviously uh, the last two seasons have been a little bit more eventful. So this one was kind of nice, a little bit more chilled and laid back. And that's what I think we can kind of expect for the entire season comparison to the last couple of years in terms of storylines. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Speaking of Nick, let's get to Mikael Bridges. When he was asked about Jacques Vaughn saying he's going to put more on his plate this season, Mikael sort of said this, and I quote by Eric Slater, just being able to score the ball and pass, facilitate, getting everyone involved. That's something I've got to get better at, but I know what I have. So this is something that we heard from Mikael Bridges on the podcast P podcast, I think it was, or you know, Paul George's podcast you know, a couple of months ago. Just reiterating those thoughts here, I, I think, we spoke about Ben Simmons and his individual play. I think individually, if we're looking at the the micro elements of, of Mikael Bridges' game, his facilitation and his playmaking for others is something I'm going to be looking for. I've been sort of looking a bit into it, uh, some last year's tape as well, and I'm a bit more optimistic about it, but you know, we'll be also getting into his individual preview pretty soon in, in the coming days, so we'll be doing even more research on that. But what were your thoughts on Mikael Bridges having more on his plate and his response to it? Yeah, I think Mikel always answers every question, you know, the best way possible. And I think, you know, he understands what he needs to do. And I think he saw in that Philadelphia playoff series how teams are going to kind of attack him a little differently in the season, kind of try to force the ball out of his hands or put him in tough situations. So he's going to have to read quickly, you know, know where to make the next pass and understanding of how to read a defense. So it's going to be a major step for him. And obviously, you know, he learned on the fly last year going into such a bigger role. Now an entire offseason training camp preseason, it should be great for him no it should be and look we're big on brooklyn bridges and the leap uh, i think we've said this about kevin durant i've said this plenty of times you only go as far as your best player will take you and mikhail bridges leap you know how high can it be is it going to be gargantuan is it going to be mini is it going to be medium you know is it going to be fringe all-star is it going to be bona fide all-star is it going to be fringe all nba is it going to be bona fide all nba how high he takes us is basically how high we'll go in the seedings you know we can go from four to nine you know and obviously 
he has plenty of things that we'll we'll discuss a bit more in depth when we dive deep into his individual preview. You know, we've done the wings, we've done the centers, we've done the guards. We haven't done Mikael Bridges yet because he is our guy and we want to give him the attention he deserves. So we'll dive deep in a little bit more into his nitty gritty and the preview for him going forward. But yeah, I'm excited. Brooklyn Bridges, baby. Yeah, I mean, and again, his just positivity and just his vibe overall at media day, just really good for this team moving forward is, you know, one of their cornerstones. At one of those other cornerstones, Nick, is Cam Johnson. And Cam Johnson apparently suffered a hamstring injury, which I think a lot of people got worried about. I did upon seeing it. But he said this to the media, and Eric Slater put this one out. He said, Cam Johnson says he's good, quote, good after his hamstring injury and expects to play during the preseason. Uh, he said this, I'm good. I do expect to play at some point in the preseason, just in these next couple of days. We'll see how it goes over this next week. So probably not going to see him at the Lakers game, but at least it is minor in its significance. Yeah, and he's a guy that obviously has been playing with Team USA. So maybe in a little bit better shape than some of the other guys on the roster and, you know, has played basketball more recently. So that's always a positive. You know, hopefully, you know, hamstring can get fully healed before the regular season. I don't really care much about him playing in preseason. You know, it'd be ideal, but if he can and they want to play it safe with a hamstring that can, you know, linger over the cross uh, over the course of a long season, you know, do it. Yeah, I think the timing of injuries is as important as the nat. Look, it's not as important as the nature of them. Like you'd rather have like, you know, an easy minor hamstring injury like this than a significant hamstring or an ankle sprain like Draymond Green sort of had. The fact that it's happening now rather than in, you know, November, December when the Nets are fighting for playoff seating, or even in April, Feb- February, the playing tournament, depending on what your feelings are about that. The fact that this is minor, the fact that it is happening now, is positive in a negative situation obviously you don't want any of your players to get injured but the nature of this the you know the the minor elements of it the timing of it isn't anything to worry too much about and hopefully this doesn't linger it heals up completely but as you alluded to because he's played with so much basketball he's going to be in good shape and it's probably part of the reason why you know muscle injuries can occur from tiredness, you know, and, and that might be, you know, played a role in this one, but hopefully it doesn't linger and we're not coming back in the, in the, the doldrums of February. And it's like, you know, Cam Johnson is being rested for a hamstring awareness or whatever it might be. But um, I think it should be fine there. Yeah. I think it's, you know, especially he feels confident about it. I'd be a little bit worried. He was like, you know, I'm not sure about preseason. You know, it was a painful one, but he said it's nothing much. So I think we can sleep easy about that one. We can also sleep easy, Nick, because we've got Nick Claxton on our basketball team. What I can't sleep easy about is about the lack of recognition that he got last year. And it was awesome to see that it wasn't just him speaking about it, but it went viral. Like him sort of saying that, I got snubbed big time. Like it makes my, he said, quote, it makes my blood boil. And the fact that Kevin Durant and Corey Irving left, I think Nick Claxton and anyone who listens to the Brooklyn Buzz feels the exact same way. And I'm glad that he's standing up for himself because, you know, Evan Mobley, Jaron Jackson Jr., these guys were like the darlings of, you know, NBA media. And I'm like, what's the difference between what they're doing to what Nick Claxton is doing? And I get that there's maybe, some minor minute things that make them slightly better but Nick Claxton certainly didn't get the credit he deserves and the fact that he's still putting in the work talking about wanting to take some three-point shots the fact that the scheme might be changing to to appease him as well he's going to be growing he's putting in the work and I think if he doesn't get the credit he deserves this season Nick then uh, we will be writing on and off this podcast 
Yeah, I mean, it's good to hear him kind of speak out about it. And also, you know, the attention it got from not just Nets fans, but like national media saying, you know, like he should have, you know, gotten more, you know, hype around his name, especially just making the all defensive team. You know, if you're if you're up for defensive player of the year, you should probably make the all defensive team. And considering he was good with both versions of the Nets, there's no reason, you know, for him not to make that team. And it was definitely disappointing, but I think, you know, a lot of times in the NBA and this is, you know, not the right thing that happens, but it feels like, you know, it takes like a season to build your hype up. And then the next season you kind of get rewarded sometimes. Yeah. And he wasn't just good. He was great. He was excellent. He was was elite. elite. Absolutely elite. And look, if, it just seems to me that like there's just narratives around players that sort of get more credit. Like it's Bam out of bio. Jaron Jackson's going to be that new darling. Evan Mobley's turning into that new darling. Where it's just like, Clax is a bit of rebound in the both of those guys. And I think that that gets under the wayside. Clax led the league in blocks or was like right up there, top two, top three. And this season, I think the way that the Nets are talking about some of their defensive schemes, if Nick Claxon doesn't get like four blocks a game, no, obviously that's a bit, that's a bit much, but I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he really flirts with, you know, three plus blocks uh, with what the Nets are going to be doing. And obviously the offensive game that he has, he is the best, if not the second or third best switch defender uh, at his position, let alone maybe in the entire NBA. So look, we'll, we'll see how it pans out, but yeah, Clack City, baby, we'll, we'll be riding with him. Yeah. I mean, last year he improved in every area, you know, obviously he was already very, very good as a switch defender, but improved as a rim defense, a rim protector, improved his post defense, his rebounding improved. He just overall was very impactful on that end of the floor. And, you know, you look at the other guys, I don't think there's much of a difference defensively. I think they maybe get more hype because they might be, you know, they're better offensive players, but at the end of the day, it was a defensive award and it just felt like he wasn't getting the credit he deserved. Yeah, another player that probably wasn't getting enough credit from within the organization was Cam Thomas, Nick. And he said to the media that the Nets haven't told him what his role will be this season, but he's, quote, staying ready at all times. Now, I'll preface this with saying my frustrations with saying that I'm impressed with the maturity that Cam seems to be sort of growing into himself. Uh, it looks to be getting stronger as well. A lot of people were pointing out, you know, the the weights of all the players that sort of jumped in and Nick Claxton put on 10 pounds of muscle and Cam Thomas probably did the same thing. He was sort of saying that he wants to be a bit more, bit stronger so he can deal with both ends of the floor. But the fact that like there is no solidified role for him is we could do it literally an entire podcast about this. We could have done the A block and done 20 minutes about this, but I'll, I'll cede the floor to you, my friend. You know, I'm not super surprised that they didn't, you know, come out and give, say, Cam Thomas had a specific role or told him his role, just based off of some of the things we'd know about, obviously, the relationship between Cam Thomas and the Nets coaching staff and organization and what they want out of him. But also at the same time, I don't think many guys on this team necessarily have a solidified role, you know. Going to the season, I think Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Nick Claxton are all kind of locked in. And even Ben. Nick Dayron Sharp has a solidified role from what we've heard. Uh, I and... mean, I don't know if he has a solidified role. He's kind of, he's going to get a shot. That's what, uh, that, in the words of Jock Vaughn. So I think like... Cam's going to get a shot. I don't think, like, Dayron could lose his job into, you know, Watford or to somebody else on the team or DFS. I don't think he's like locked into place. The only guys on this team I think are locked in is again, Clax, Mikel and Cam Johnson, even Ben Simmons, you know, going back to the articles and listening to the Vaughn. It's like, yeah, if Ben meets X, Y, and Z, he will be the starting point guard of this team. But if he does not, he does not have that role. So I'm not super surprised. And also I think with the team essentially being 
a whole bunch of young guys with a chip on their shoulder, that bench unit and a lot of the other role player positions on this team, I don't think are solidified. They want to kind of leave it open as possible. And I don't think like, I think a lot of people are instantly looking at this as like a super negative that like, Oh, Cam's not going to play again. Like I think Cam could easily walk out of training camp and have a six man role in this team. I don't think we should instantly, you know, think it's the worst thing possible because I think he can easily turn it into something positive because he's that good of a player. And I think also, you know, there, there has to be a level of realization, you know, if there's not enough offense of the squad, you know, they have to go with Cam. So I think we don't want to jump the gun, but obviously you can definitely be worried about the comments in the situation. Yeah, I'm not going to jump the gun, but maybe I will. <laughs> I just, I just, I think every, maybe I get a little bit in my feelings. Maybe I lead, read a little bit too in between the lines when it comes to stuff with Cam Thomas. And I made the Darren Sharp comparison because at least there was, not like a semblance of security for his role, but an opportunity. And there wasn't sort of like the the door held ajar for Cam. It's like Cam has to like get the keys, unlock it, unlock the padlocked version as well for him to really get those minutes. It feels like he has to jump through more hoops than others. And while I agree that the Nets need rebounding more than maybe anything on this roster, but I think they need scoring just as much. And yeah. obviously, Mikael Bridges does a lot of that. Spencer can do a bit of that. Cam Cam Jay can do a bit of that. Clax can certainly do a bit of that. But basketball is won by scoring points, not by winning rebounds. I, I think that you know rebounding is an integral part, and we've spoken at length on that on the center series. But I think that Cam Thomas, I just get frustrated because... The, the the way he is being managed by the organization, by the coaches, leaves a little bit to be desired. I certainly wouldn't do it that way. When you're like hyping up Ben Simmons to be, you know, the uh, the the reformation project of the year, and he's sort of saying to Cam Thomas, "Hey, mate, you know, just you know, you do what you want, and we'll sign Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith Jr. And you got to beat those guys to get like ten minutes a night." I'm not saying that those signings were wrong. I just think that a couple of things can be true at once, and I think that if I were him and I have a good training camp and a good preseason, then I'm and I'm knocking the door down and you still go, all right, let's play Dennis Smith Jr. solidified 25 minutes a night. I get that the Nets identity is going to be defensive and they're going to turn offense, defense and offense. But yeah, if, if I'm just, I'm, I've said this before, I'm, I'm readying myself mentally to be dissatisfied with Cam Thomas's role at different points this season. And I think at the early points of this season, I want him to give be given that shot. Like I want Jack Vaughn to go, hey, you had a good, pretty good preseason. You've shown a lot. You've had some 40-point games. You've won a summer league MVP. Show us what you got. If you can do these things and we'll let you play a th through a few mistakes, cool, so be it. But if you can't, then you know we'll 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 pull that leash back in a little bit. So yeah, I'm trying to be a bit more measured than probably I have been on the timeline and behind the scenes with you and stuff. But yeah, let's see how it pans out for, for Killer Cam. I mean, and Vaughn did say, you know, you know, Cam's growing up and he's, you know, it's noted with his preparation, the work he put in this summer. So it, it could definitely, you know, be more positive, but it also could be negative. I mean, I definitely think at different points, I think he's a polarizing player for at least in terms of the Nets coaching staff perspective. So I think there'll be spans during the season where he's seeing a somewhat consistent role and then other moments where you're like, you know, why is he not out there? And they're depending on Dennis Smith Jr. or somebody else on the team. So I mean, prepare yourself for the worst, but hope for the best. Any final thoughts, Nick, on the Nets media day? 
Uh, not really. You know, I think uh, overall, you know, it seemed like there was good vibes. Guys are excited. A lot of, you know, chippy chippiness, I think, in training camp to expect. And guys are going to be competing. And really, I think one of the biggest takeaways was just how important defense will be to the squad. You know, we knew that on paper, but listening to them speak about it, I think that's very important. And that's where I think it could definitely get into an interesting conversation about Cam Thomas minutes versus Dennis Smith Jr. minutes, which we'll probably do in the preseason or some point in the regular season, just how the Nets are looking to build their identity and what they're kind of banking on and, you know, what that all means for the future of this team and Vaughn as a coach and Marks as a GM. So it's all very exciting stuff. And it's finally, you know, the season is just right around the corner. Not white. Always a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.